Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, promo code STAPLE20. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for the Rick Smith Show. Now, here is the voice of the working class, Rick Smith. And welcome, brothers, sisters, working class heroes. This is the Rick Smith Show. Thanks so much for being here today on the big program. Lots to get to. Lots to talk about. Crazy pack started today. Oh, the CPAC folks bringing their special brand of, well, democracy. Uh, they had a speaker, one of the right-wing mouthpieces, a guy named Jack Bisobiak. Uh, he was at the CPAC where he said, uh, I just want to say welcome to the end of democracy. He said, we're here to overthrow it completely. We didn't get all the way there on January 6th. But we will endeavor to get rid of it and replace it with this right here. We'll replace it with this right here. This right here is a bunch of right-wing hacks paid for by billionaires uh, to be at an event hating gay people run by a guy accused of sexually harassing um, same se younger same-sex people. How much more conservative can you get? And the thing is, is, you know, they have this alternative reality. Uh, they've brought us alternative facts. And I spent a little time today at a local truck stop. One of these things that I used to do when I was driving a lot of spending time in truck stops, talking with truck drivers. But today I went there with a purpose because I, I live about four hours, four and a half hours from New York City. And I wanted to gauge whether all of the things that we're hearing in the right-wing insanosphere was actually filtering down to real people or if it was just more of the alternative reality. You know, the virtual reality stuff. Someone said it and the echo chamber picked it up and, well, ran and ran and ran with it. Interestingly enough, in the half hour that I was there, I did not find one person boycotting New York City. In fact, I found a lot of people who were headed to New York City. Um, some of them Trump supporters, some of them not. But this idea that the boycott is we're going to shut down, you know, New York City because a handful of truckers in other states have said that they're going to boycott loads to New York is is well some of the most conservative stuff that you'll hear. But I think the important message in this is what we're hearing from the voices promoting this and the hope and the want. Understand, Donald Trump broke the law. He did. 
and admitting it. He's admitted that he did it. He's just saying, well, you know, no one got hurt. There were no victims in my criming. And we can argue whether that's reality or not. You know, just like I'm sure the waitress, the, the cashier who, you know, took $20 out of the till uh, to help get her home that night and she paid it back on payday, whether that's a crime or, you know, just a victimist little, little, you know, just a little shuffling around. I would be more apt to allow to, to forgive and forget the, the woman, you know, taking the 20 bucks and putting it back than this guy who's supposedly a, you know, a multi-billionaire. But this idea that <laughs> he's being held accountable for his actions, that somehow is a bridge too far for, for working people. This is what we're told. And that these working people are willing to, to give up wages are willing to boycott and protest because of Donald Trump, because of New York's treatment of someone who who broke the rules. That's what we're led to believe, that they're going to boycott. And more importantly, that by them boycotting, they're going to punish New York. We're going to punish the people that have no food. There'll be nothing that gets there. Now, look, I'm a truck driver. Uh, I'm a huge supporter of truck drivers. The thing that I find ironic is that all of the reasons that you could boycott New York, and as someone who's been in and out of New York more times than I can I can, can tell you about, um, there are reasons for a truck driver to not want to go to New York. Low bridges being front and center, uh, not being able to go on the parkways, and massive fines that come with it. The bridges, tolls constantly. The harassment by police, the harassment by the, you know, the, the, the way stations and the chicken coops and all of the stuff, that the congestion fee that's coming, all of this stuff. Reasons, reasons to boycott New York. The massive traffic, the fact that there's nowhere to park, so much that you could be boycotting. But no, we're told that, well, it's because of Donald. Because you've gone too far. And the reality is today I found no one. Who supported that? Now, like I said, Trump supporters, they want him back, but none of them who are boycotting. So again, I come back to what the right-wing media empire wants us to believe is basically fabricated. And no one makes spins a yarn or makes a tale better than they do. And I'll tell you, I, I was not surprised by the fact that there was no one there. I want to hear your thoughts. Email me, rick at the ricksmithshow.com. Have you found someone? Is there someone out there who is boycotting New York City from your neck of the woods? Email me, rick at the ricksmithshow.com. Going to take a quick break. When we come back, Sarah Burris from Raw Story going to be here to share some thoughts on the top stories of the day. We are AFGE, the American Federation of Government Employees. We represent 700,000 federal and D.C. government workers who are the vital threads of the fabric of American life. We support our nation's military. We take care of our nation's veterans. We protect our nation's borders. We respond to our nation's crises and natural disasters. We provide services to our nation's seniors. The American Federation of Government Employees. We work for America. Welcome back to the Rick Smith Show. Now, here is Rick Smith. So I love the fact that Donald Trump being interviewed by Laura Ingram, which anytime those two idiots get together, you know there's going to be some entertainment, some insanity, something you go, 
Do you believe that they actually said that? Well, uh, the Trump quote for this, this segment is, we're going to take over Washington, D.C. We're going to federalize. And we're going to have very powerful crime. We're going to make crime again. Great again. Criming will be great. As if the four years he was in office weren't bad enough. As if the 91 indictments for his criming weren't enough. He, he's going to go. He's going even further. <laughs> going to make criming great again. And here to share some thoughts on just how great we're going to make criming. Uh, given the the record that Trump doth have, that's our good friend Sarah Burris to come talk with us. Sarah's a reporter at Raw Story, rawstory.com, the website. Sarah, thanks for taking time for us. You got to give it to them. At least they're honest about it, right? Like, at least they're telling us exactly what they want and exactly what they will do. And I, that's kind of the message that they took to, um, you know, the, the folks who showed up in... Uh, in Munich last week for the, um, meetings there is, and, and, you know, I think Hillary Clinton was the one who, who said, guys, he's telling you what it's going to be like, like you should trust him whenever he says it. Yep. And so. all of them look, you know, when they tell you who they are, what's that quote, uh, tell them when they tell you who they are, believe them, we should be believing them. Yeah. And look, you know, crazy packs going on right now. Uh, which I, I just find hysterical, a guy who touches young boys uh, leading the conservative movement. I, I just I, Okay, uh, but you had this this right-wing mouthpiece, this Jack Posobiec, uh, who said, you know, I just wanted to say welcome to the end of democracy. We're here to overthrow it completely. We didn't get all the way there on January 6th, but we will endeavor to get there and replace it with what's right here in front of like six people. In front of like six people. That's the thing is there's like nobody at CPAC this year, probably because it's too expensive and also because of Match Lab. Um, but yeah, I think that I feel like the the far right, particularly in the Tea Party movement, it it has been sort of this um this anarchist movement for a long time. Like the whole idea is to make government as ineffective as possible to sell the idea that government is ineffective and we should get rid of it. So I don't know about anarchists. I'm, I'm not going to go with you on that. I think I think they want a dictatorship. I think they they. I think want... they do now. I think they do now that they've met a dictator that they love. Um, I can go there again. But again, I just I don't know that there's somebody else that they're going to be able to bring in after Donald Trump. Like, is it going to be? Uh, some sort of monarchy with the whole Trump family. I mean, obviously Laura's taking over the Republican Party now, so good lord. Well, that's so they can, you know, they can fleece the the Republican, the RNC. That's so that you know they can they can bankrupt the Republican Party as they've done to the Trump name. Uh, you know, I'm, there's no surprise here. And you know, someone asked me, well, they can't take money to pay his fines. Uh, with RNC money, I go, no, they can't take the money for explicitly going, we're taking this money to pay the fines, but they could pay, they could buy a couple hundred thousand pair of those crappy shoes uh, that they could possibly do. No, they could. Um, also, there is no real precedent for somebody trying to pay their, their fines through uh, a, a party, I guess. And so that's never really come before the FEC before. And obviously we know the FEC is completely toothless and worthless and either they would, 
you know, stop any kind of ruling whatsoever, or it would just be split like it is on everything else. Um, and, and Trump's cronies that he installed there are just going to, you know, back him. No, it's, it's a weird spot we're in right now because, you know, as we've been talking about here on the program, you know, everything seems to be upside down. Whatever whatever the right-wing narrative is, uh, that's the gospel truth. And uh, facts be damned, reality be damned. If, if Trump says it, if the right-wing spin machine says it, well, it, it's got to be true. And I think the good thing about all of this, if, you know, because I'm the internal eternal optimist, is every ounce of money that Trump is taking from the Republican Party means that another Republican candidate somewhere is not getting it. So, I mean, the, the dude has lost every election um, since 2016, right? Like they lost the House, they lost the Senate, they barely won the House back, and it was only after gerrymandering everywhere. Um, and, you know, it's possible they might lose it this next time if people, you know, get it together. Um, if there's no money for those candidates, because Donald Trump is hoovering it all up, then what do you do? Like, how do you, how do you support? How do you do independent expenditures? How do you fund a field operation if, you know, that all of that money is going to pay for his fines in New York? Because the truth is, and this is where you, you, I think you're, you're right, Trump just doesn't have the coattails that you would expect someone like him to have. Uh, when, you, when you start hearing, you know, someone like the guy who's my congressman, Scott Perry, when you hear him talk, I'm like, I, I hope he, I hope they, I've had even, you know, Trump supporters go, I think he should go because he's, he's not entertaining. The one thing you can say about Trump, always entertaining, says crazy stuff, really crazy stuff, says, you know, just stuff you can't even imagine how you put the words together like uh, uh, laura ingram asked him about you know about his safety and he said well everyone should worry about being safe you know if we nuke new york south carolina's gone too and i'm going what the heck does that mean i you know i one i'm concerned that he doesn't know how nuclear weapons work <laughs> um there's actually a really great website where you can you can calculate where you are and if a bomb hit and how big it is, you know, where the blast radius would be. Um, and so like, I could see if, you know, a bomb hit the white house, if I'm safe or not. Yeah. But why um, would we be nuking New York? I know. I mean, I think that he would probably nuke New York because they, you know, issued him a $355 million fine. And you know what I find? I, I can see that being his justification. If he yeah. puts Mike Flynn into the DOD, then <laughs> it's all about retribution. It will all be about retribution. But I spent about a half an hour today at a, at a local truck stop, you know, because there, there are a bunch of them in my neighborhood, you know, going, hey, you going to New York? Uh, and a lot of them were. I thought I thought there was a big boycott going on. Thought you were boy. All the truckers were boycotting. Could not find one person boycotting New York. But I do find it interesting that um, that working people, especially you know people who you know, are struggling to make ends meet, have have been sold into this idea that that guy who has stiffed working people his entire life that that guy somehow cares about them. I know, right? Like the dude won't even pay his lawyers now because he's so furious at him. Every contractor <laughs> he's ever worked for. I mean, like it's it's unbelievable. And so now that this idea that he's coming out and being like, okay, nobody can actually do their job and and deliver to um, New York, it just seems like wow, wow. That's that's really how the Trump movement is going to go. Where 
you know, I guess they're trying to say that there are more truckers in the world that will deny service or something. I just, I don't know. It no. just seems. But it does it tell really you what stupid. they what they want what they want this country to look like. Do what we yes. tell you. Believe what we tell you to believe, or we're going to punish you. We're going to starve you, and and that that comes through. Now look, you know, understand the right wing media machine has has pumped this uh, a couple of idiot truckers with a Twitter account up into being an actual movement. It's not. Again, haven't found these people. And I live, you know, four and a half hours from New York City. You'd think that they'd be coming around going more. You'd think you'd see caravans of people leaving. You're you're not. But that's what you're led to believe. You're led to believe that this is an actual movement. When the guy who started this is a guy who's in Chicago. I don't even know if he's ever been to New York. And he's going to boycott right. going to New York. Give me a break. I know, right? And I think it it presumes that there will never be anybody else who would be willing to step in, right? Like if somebody is, you know, basically saying, I'm not going to do my job. Uh, the thing about the job market is I think people will be willing to be like, well, I'll take it. I'll do it. No, but here's um, the other part of this. Uh, look, as someone who has driven into New York way too many times, there's a lot of reasons to be angry about driving a truck in New York right? City. <laughs> There's a lot of reasons to to boycott New York City. Donald Trump should be nowhere near the list. Uh, but, you know, those things, they, they swallow. Although the crummy wages, the crummy working conditions, the congestion fees that are coming, the tolls, the police harassing them, the, 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 the chicken coops, all of the place, nowhere to park. Uh, companies charging you to park all this crazy stuff that makes truckers lives miserable that they swallow full whole on but donald trump right. being held accountable That's their limit for something that he did and has admitted he did that's a bridge too far that's the line speaking of bridges they hate it you know right that the bridges are too low <laughs> I do look, you know, and again, this is you know, part of racism at its at its ugliest. Uh, you, they didn't want the the good people out of the city. Didn't want those those people, immigrants. You know, our grandparents and great great grandparents didn't want them coming out of the city. So they made the the bridges all too low for the buses to get under it. Uh, and that just meant trucks can't go on the under parkways anywhere. And as a truck driver, you get caught on a parkway. Well, you just worked for free for about a month. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. It's, it's so stupid, but you know, welcome to New York. Um, but that they're I'm not, not upset obviously, about. obviously I'm not a New York fan anyway, but you know, anyway, I want them to be able to eat. Um, I love New York. And I think t- I, I love the people oh. in New York. I, I, I love, I love all of that. I, I particularly like leaving New York when I'm driving a truck. Uh, but you know, the end of the day, what they're telling us, the, the message that they're sending, the whole right-wing media structure is, if you don't play along, if you don't do what dear Donald says, you will be punished. Yeah. And I think that's part of their retribution campaign, right? Like, it, it really is this idea of you're with us or you're against us. And if you're against us, you must die. Uh, we we're, They're talking about, you know, putting people in in camps they're talking about going after reporters i mean it is just a a list of of the downfall of democracy and we've seen it in all of the other countries and so 
you know, it's exactly like what Clinton said is when he tells you what he's going to do, believe it. And I mean, the, the, like you said, the, the thing at CPAC today really, I mean, it was scary, but it blew my mind that they were willing to say it out loud. And that is just the arrogance and the assumption that there are more of them than there are of us. And that is not the case. I mean, I, I really truly believe that there are a heck of a lot of the idiots. However, there, I, there are way more of us than there are of them. And I have faith. Have you ever been to CPAC? I have faith in us. Have you ever been to one of those? I haven't. Yeah, see, I, I went a number but, of years ago. Back when they weren't totally crazy, they were, still, they were on the fringe of crazy. Um, but they were trying to be crazy. They were getting there. They were on the way. There for the time, they were the crazy, uh, but much, much saner than they are today. And what I found while I was there is most of the people who attend those things are not actual people. Uh, they're people who work for organizations. They're on someone's payroll. They're on someone's, you know, on the dole somewhere to be part of that movement, or they're trying to get on the dole. So basically everyone there, someone's paying their freight to be there and someone's paying them to then take those, the what they what they learn, whatever it is that's being shoveled down their throats back into other communities. And, and as Bush would say, to catapult the propaganda. And that's, that's what I found yeah. most interesting about that. There weren't working people showing up there. You know, the, the truckers weren't there for that craziness. And I'll tell you, I think if those truckers went to those things, they would change their tune right quick because they'd finally realize that they're on the menu more than anyone else. For sure. I mean, that's the thing that, again, we've talked, we we're talking about normal everyday workers who um, continue to get stiffed by Donald Trump whenever he was a, a developer. And these are the same people like he wants to give money to the uber wealthy, to the to the millionaires and billionaires and let it trickle down. This is part of the Republican tax plan. And Trump is bought full in because he is one of the people at the top. So the idea that all of these folks like the truckers, like the Trump truckers, that somehow they are going to get uh, something out of Donald Trump being reelected is just a, a laughable idea. It's it's sad um, it's cult-like, but it's not reality. Yeah, they're going to get something all right. Screwed. Uh, like every working yeah. person who's, like anyone who deals in the Trump's, Trump is fear. Uh, look at all the people. I mean, the my pillow guy is the the poster child, uh, claiming he all he's got is ten grand left to his name. This guy was supposedly uh -huh. a billionaire. Somehow, all gone. Oops. <laughs> right. <laughs> and and look. <laughs> He's got mounting legal bills that are going to go for yeah. years to come. So, hey, you know, that, how's that friendship working out? What'd you get for it? Screwed. Yeah, I mean, the dude's been blowing a lot of money on his little pretend conferences where he could have people come and, and hear his propaganda about the election. And, and then he foolishly put up $5 million saying if anybody can figure out, you know, whatever conspiracy he created – um, then he'll give them $5 million. And so when somebody did and pointed out, you know, what he had done to fake this thing, then oops, he had to pony up and he lost in court when he tried not to do it. Um, so, I mean, he just, he is continuing to hemorrhage cash and it turns out when nobody wants to buy your pillows anymore, <laughs> no lumpy it's pillow. hard to make money so you can continue to spend it. There just aren't enough pillow buyers, I guess.
No, and, and but here's the thing, and this is the part that's that's troubling. Look, you've always had these fringe players. You've always had these 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 circus acts out there. The sad reality is, is the the heart and soul of one of the two major political parties in this country, the Republican Party, is owned by crazy. Uh, you know, the, the uh, I, I always go back to the Eisenhower quote. You know, any he wrote a letter to his brother Edgar saying anyone who would come out against Social Security or labor unions or unemployment or the farm bill. Uh, you'd never hear from them in our political history. Their numbers are negligible. Um, um, maybe a few Texas oil billionaires, millionaires. Their numbers are negligible, and they are stupid. And stupid is running the Republican Party. And you know, look, look at what's going on with the impeachment. Uh, it was long dead, but they're still trying. I, I understand Comer's still not giving up. No, they're, they're, it's like the whole Republican Party is showing up on conservative media to try and explain how, you know, yeah, this dude, um, we're, we're not talking about him anymore. And, and his claims are not, um, they don't matter because there's all this other evidence. And it's like, no, this was your only guy. This was your one person. And, uh, and, and, and he's basically just been arrested for lying to the FBI. So... Yeah. Um, they no, just you, arrested him a second time, right? Because they want to they, go back to they, Russia. Yeah, because they're concerned that he's going to flee. He's yeah. got a passport to Israel. The dude can just be like, see ya, wouldn't want to be ya. So, um, so this idea that that somehow these people, um, I mean, I, I have always, I feel like they sort of went down the tube a while ago when, when, you know, the whole like 9-11 worship and the, the craziness of Rudy Giuliani started. Now it's more that instead of this fake idea of what America is, it is the fake idea of America being Donald Trump. And it is, it is you know, gone from sort of a an American religion to a person religion. And I mean, I think this entire thing is all about retribution from Trump allies who are trying to, you know, say, well, you know, Donald Trump and Joe Biden are the same. They've both been impeached. They've both been, you know, whatever. And the only way you can do that is by matching all of the things that happened to Donald Trump to Joe Biden. And they just don't have the evidence. They just can't do it. (laughs) So they're just going to try and make it up and keep it going. And everybody's just like, dude, you lost your guy. This isn't going to work. No, no, I mean, there's just so much of this. And the, and now they're going, oh, well, the Russia thing was all a hoax. And you go, no, no, hold on. You know, we used to have common sense in this country. We used to go, you know, you're surrounded by a whole bunch of people who are Russian assets. You're surrounded by with a bunch of people who, who are doing things in Russia. You're surrounded by people who are sympathetic. You've got media figures like Tucker Carlson going over telling us how mm-hmm. wonderful Mas- Moscow is and what a good guy Putin is. And, and, and we're not supposed to add all this together? I know that is the thing that I keep asking is, you know, we saw this in in 16. It just seemed like there was like one case after another of just weird Russia things. And it's just compounded over the last several years. Now we, it turns out that the dude who, who was trying to stir up this, these fake stories about Biden um, got his info from Russian intelligence. And it's like, yeah, all of these things fit together and, 
I'm just so shocked that people don't see that. Well, I'm 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 not. Look, you know, these are folks who have been brainwashed on right wing uh, blather outrage radio. These are people who have been, you know, indoctrinated by cable news. Uh, they, you know, they they only want what they what they believe. I saw a story just just before we came on uh, saying asking the question, you know, does the media share your views? And I'm like, no, the media is not supposed to share your views. They're supposed to tell you the news and you formulate your own opinions. You just don't regurgitate everything you hear on outrage radio or cable news. I, but maybe I'm just old. I think I think that's where <laughs> that is. I'm just old. But Sarah, as well, always, I would agree. I would agree with that. Just just old. <laughs> As always, I appreciate you taking a little time. Uh, great work over there at Raw Story. Hope folks will take a look at the website. Uh, Sarah Burris, thanks so much. Thank you. Have a good week. You too, our good friend Sarah Burris. Remember, check out uh, rawstory.com for our free speech TV audience. Thanks so much for being here. For our radio affiliates across the country, we're going to take a quick break. Back after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Rick Smith Show. Now, here is Rick Smith. So I got to tell you, I'm I'm looking at something that is coming out of the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration. Uh, they're the folks who oversee the trucking industry. Uh, they're the folks who, uh, who are... are yeah, they're to make sure that rules are followed. They're the ones who, uh, who who brought us some some things I don't like, some things I do like. One of the things that they are moving on right now that I think it's it's about time. And again, if you're one of these truckers for Trump, and and I want I want to talk specifically to them because there are reasons to boycott. There are reasons to organize. Uh, look, I'm a huge supporter of people organizing and coming together uh, to fight for for what's right and fight for better. Uh, I, I just don't get the whole fighting for a billionaire who has no idea what your life is like. But I'm looking at what the Biden administration is doing right now. Uh, the, Fod the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration, the FMCSA, um, they right now are collecting data and they're requesting a bunch of data on uh, truck leasing ta they have this truck leasing task force they're they're trying to they're trying to find people to tell their stories about how they got into the industry how they you know became owner operators you know all this stuff and looking at the lease agreements because they're trying to crack down on the just enormous number of deceptive practices that are out there and and you know they want to find out how it affects you know you know truckers health health and safety how it affects their financial you know all this stuff and it's part of this congressional mandate it's uh, the the task force is um you know reviewing the terms conditions equitability of these leasing agreements 
And when I read this, I couldn't help but think back to a guy that I I met years ago. And this is this is going back, gotta be late '90s, early 2000s. Um, you know, there was a rest stop I would stop at before I got to my home uh, terminal. And I would stop and I would take a break there, you know, just to kind of make sure all my my paperwork is in line. And I, you know, I got all my stuff ready so I could just go in, go home, uh, be done. And, you know, I was sitting there having, you know, having, having a drink and uh, a guy walks in and he goes over to the ATM machine and he starts plugging the ATM machine with with cards. I'm assuming they're, they're ATM cards or credit cards or something. And as soon as he's plugging them in, they're spitting it right back out. And he must have done this five or six times. And he just, you could just see the, the you know, almost the life go out of him. Just that kind of sigh of, oh, this again. And I said, hey, you know, you all right? And he goes, yeah, you know, they, they didn't put my check into my into my account. And I said, well, go get yourself a coffee and you know, grab grab a bite to eat. You know, I'll pick up the I'll pick it up for you because I, I did a lot of that because I used to do organizing and you know because you want to hear people's stories you want to talk and you know, there's no better way th- to talk to somebody than you know having having a, a bite to eat or or something like that so he sat down and we uh we spent about the next 45 minutes just talking about you know how he got into it what he likes what he doesn't like and what what grabbed my attention is you know this guy was sold by one of these leasing companies that he was going to be his own boss. Uh, he had left a job that, you know, paid you know, pretty decent, but he wasn't overly thrilled with it. This was an opportunity to start his own business, be his own man and make gazillions of dollars. This is what they sold this guy and what the terms of the agreement were as he was laying it out to me, I'm going, you know, who would, who would possibly do this? Um, he ended up signing on to a, like a seven-year lease uh, agreement with this company to run a dedicated run for them. Uh, he had to pay the insurance. He had to pay, you know, the fuel and you know all kinds of all kinds of stuff that he was responsible for. And at the end of the seven years, he would then own the truck, and that was kind of I guess the agreement that as he was explaining it to me. And he couldn't go out and, and hustle his own work. He had to be dedicated to them. And they let him sit a lot. Uh, so if the wheels aren't moving, you're not making money. And he said, you know, some weeks he would get a check for like like 20 bucks. And they wouldn't even pay then. You had to hunt them down. And it was it was just just terrible. And, you know, at the end, after he was done talking to anybody, he's like, he kept going back to this. In seven years, the truck's going to be mine. Seven years, the truck's going to be mine. And then I'll be able to, you know, to do all this. And I go, and I said, no, but you do, you do realize that in seven years, you're going to have a million miles on that truck. And you're going to have to do a whole bunch of, of repair and preventative maintenance and all kinds of stuff that, you know, you're going to have to foot the bill for, right? And he kind of got this look on his face like he hadn't thought of it, didn't know to think about that. Thought that truck was going to run forever. And I say that a million miles, that's that's one of those milestones where you start really, you know, incurring some costs. So these companies know this. And, you know, what they what they got out of him was cheap labor, uh, dependable labor. He wasn't going to be able to turn anything down. Uh, he was signed on. And this is where, again, I find it interesting that you've got these truckers for Trump coming out saying, you know, we're going to boycott, you know, New York and we're going to we're going to shut it down. 
And I got to wonder how many truck drivers are in these kind of these kind of lease agreements with these companies who move, you know, lease them the truck. But they're tied to that company. Uh, you know, a number of years ago, we were down in Savannah, Georgia, uh, as part of the program doing doing our civil rights tour. And we ended up, you know, down down near Savannah talking to port truck drivers who much like, you know, my, the guy I, I, I met, you know, at the, at the rest stop, these port drivers, you know, they leased on with this idea that they were going to be their own boss, that they were going to make a whole bunch of money. The wheels were going to be turning all the time. Turns out, no, uh, they had to, they were on basically on call for the, the port. They couldn't take any other work and they got nailed for all kinds of port fees. You, you name it. And a guy actually brought me his paycheck for 88 cents for an entire week. And you go, how can you live on that? But you know what? They Once you sign on the dotted line, you're kind of stuck. So when I look at this, going, finally, it's about time. It's about time someone start asking, you know, real questions. Like, what were the terms of your lease? Should this stuff not be public? Should we not know what these companies are doing to working people? You know, how is the, the 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 lease purchase agreement, how is that marketed to you? Were you sold on the idea you're going to be your own boss that you could boycott? Because this is the part that that makes me laugh. You got these guys, you know, these these ratchet jaws going on about, you know, we're going to we're going to shut things. They're, they're, they're not going anywhere. Most of them are locked into contracts that they can't break. And if they do, the penalties are just insane. Uh, they asked the question, were you able to negotiate the terms? Were you uh, provided any information about other financing alternatives? Like maybe you could have gone to the bank and gotten a loan from the bank that would have had better better interest, better better payment terms, better anything. Were you able to go get your own insurance or did you have to get it through them? Uh, all this stuff that... Again, the trucking industry has been the petri dish of all conservative bad ideas. This is the free market at work. So when I, I hear these guys, you know, we're, we're going to turn down work, I go, so what? The sad reality is it's the free market. There's a thousand guys behind you who would be happy to take that load. So for me, this idea of, of the, there's energy to, to boycott and to organize, I got to tell you, great. But how about we organize around you know, real ideas and real solutions to actual problems, not perceived ones. This is the part that blows my mind. And, you know, I go back to, you know, my years, because look, I got off the road a number of years ago. Uh, I, I, I gave it up. I said, you know what, it's getting crazy. Uh, too much harassment. The CSA scores where every little infraction gets, gets tacked on. And, you know, it's just, it's just the industry, there's no more fun in this for me. And fortunately, I had the ability to do other things, so I left the road. I, and I occasionally run back and forth to the rail yard or do some local driving. But being on the road, you know, going state to state, and no more. No, no thanks. It's not worth the money. And I was making really good money doing it. But that's, what, that's the life of a union driver. Sadly, too many of these owner-operators, sadly, too many of these, these people who are company drivers with lease agreements— Sadly, a lot of them are getting the short end of the stick, and it shouldn't be that way. But again, this is the true free market in action. And one of the things that we know about the free market, and this is why I'm all in favor of the truckers for Trump going, we're not going to drive nothing. 
Okay, don't. That will give others the opportunity to take those contracts. That's the free market. Do it, don't, or abstain. I don't know that that's hard to understand. It's the same thing about these real estate moguls who are saying, you know, we're not going to go doing anything in New York. Good, don't. There are a million other people who will. Your threats ring hollow. But the problem again, and I come, I come back to this, it's the right-wing echo chamber. You know, the, the right loves to complain about the media. Oh, I don't believe anything in the media. When they're the media, they set the agenda. But for me, this, this idea of looking at these, these lease purchase agreements, there's a lot of good stuff in this. And I hope people who have, I hope people who have, have, have been in these, I, I hope people step forward. I hope people contact the, the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration and, and tell their stories. Because how this stuff stops is transparency. How this stuff stops is people, you know, putting that shame aside that, oh man, I got screwed. I can't tell anybody. Or, you know, I just chalk it up to, it was a learning experience. Um, no. no. How about making sure that nobody else gets the short end of the stick? Because ultimately this becomes that, this becomes that moment where the wealth class, the moneyed interests, they do very well. But again, working people get screwed. And if you're allowing them to exploit and abuse the other people on the road with you, that's not great. You know, and I, I keep coming back to, look, I want to make the trucking industry better because the truth of the matter is we don't get anything without trucks. There's no food in our supermarkets. And to show you how dishonest the right is, you know, they were, they were posting pictures, see the trucker boycott's working, showing pictures from the pandemic. <laughs> Ludicrous. Look, I'm with the truckers. They should be paid good wages. Their conditions should improve. But sadly, what you have is massive collusion with these companies. You know, back in the old days when you had the ICC, the Interstate Commerce Commission, uh, you had the government set the rates. And those rates were, were high enough to where workers could share in that. You know, I go back to the end of my grandparents' you know, working years and the kind of wages that, that they were earning and the, the kind of wage job that a truck driver was back then. And compare it to today, it's back to being a poverty wage job, the kind of place where my, grand, my grandfather entered. He would be heartbroken to see what we've allowed to have happen. And, you know, today I had a conversation with one of the guys who was um, – who was talking about, you know, you know, you know, the new gener, the young generation, you know, nobody wants to get into trucking anymore because they're lazy. I go, no, they're not getting into trucking anymore because they're not stupid. They're not going to waste their lives making. I'll never forget the one guy he worked for, for JB Hunt. Um, he told me, and again, you know, this could be just truck driver lore, but he told me, and I don't know why you'd lie about this. He told me the, the year, and this is again, back, you know, probably 15 years ago. He said in one year he was home for five days and made $16,000 in his pocket. The rest was put out for, you know, eating in truck stops and, you know, all, all, what, all the costs of living on the road, which, you know, again, I don't know why we're not organizing against that. But you think about, you know, that generation, the younger generation doesn't want to live like that. 
They don't want to live like caged animals or in a, in a sweatshop on wheels. They want to work to live, not live to work. And it's, you know, it's amazing to me. You know, when they changed the hours of service laws and said, hey, um, you have to, you, you, you can work all these extra hours. You just have to have a 34-hour restart. And it works out to where, you know, in the old days, you could only work 70 hours in eight days. Now you can work like 88 hours in, in eight days. Um, and guys are like, you know, that's great. And my union said, no, we're not going to allow the restart. You're going to go by the 70 hours and that's it. We're not going to go backwards on this. And there were guys who were losing their minds. And it made no sense to me. But I look at this this generation coming up. They're going, that makes no sense at all. Who would do something so stupid? We're not going to work in a, in a system that we didn't create. We're not going to work in a system that we're the ones being abused and taken advantage of. And good on them. Because this is how you make these, these jobs better. The fact that a guy lives on the road and is home five days in a year is insane. We could make the trucking industry one of, of people being home at least every other night, every couple of nights. We could. And it's a lot of companies do. Don't get me wrong. You know, I worked for a company where they didn't, everything was, was relay. You were home at the end of the day for the most part, unless something weird happened. We, we can, with the right policy, do anything we want. We can make changes, but we're not going to fight for those. And that's the, that's the weird part of where we are. You know, I, 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 got, I just got, you know, stories just you know, grabbing my head right now. I remember it was Christmas, it was Christmas Eve morning. Uh, I was coming back from New England. And there's a guy in the men's room of the truck stop standing on his shoes in his underwear, bathing in the sink. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, I don't have any money. And I gave him money for, I gave him a couple of bucks to go take a shower. I go get a shower, come and meet us for breakfast. I'll buy you breakfast. And there were like 10 of us, you know, who were, who were coming down from New England. And we sat and listened to this guy tell, tell his story. And we walked out of there grateful that we had a union to, to, to back us and, and had the conditions that we had. But this guy's story was he was from the South, from Alabama, and he came up to a company in Connecticut the day before Christmas Eve. And his employer only gave him enough fuel to get there and with a little bit more you know, to, to idle and to do all that. And they only gave him a small per diem per day. So he didn't have enough money to leave and go back to, to Alabama. He had enough to stay right where he was. And he had to sit there until the 27th. He had to sit there four days over Christmas waiting to get unloaded. And, you know, we were sitting here going, can you believe that? <laughs> we wouldn't put up with that. But here was this poor guy who was stuck in this situation where these companies got away with this stuff. You know, during the pandemic, I was saying, you know, we don't have a truck driver shortage. We have a usage problem. Uh, dispatchers and companies don't care about their, their drivers. They let them sit and languish. They waste a resource. And again, I, I keep coming back to this, and I, I hope this comes through. I'm not against boycotting. 
I'm not against organizing. I'm, in fact, all 100% in. But over the right stuff, over smart stuff, standing up for a guy who clearly broke the law, did what he was accused of. Now, we could say, oh, it was selective prosecution. He did what he was accused of. Don't try and both sides it. Don't try and diminish it. He did what he was accused of. He is being held accountable for what he did. It's that simple. For my black and white world thinkers, most of them who wear the red hats, this is very clear. doesn't get any easier than this. So if you're going to boycott something, how about it? we, we boycott things uh, that are going to make our lives better instead of something that's just, well, stupid. Let's go with stupid. I want to hear your thoughts. You got any tales that I should hear? Email me, rick at the ricksmithshow.com. Do you know any truckers boycotting going into New York? Or again, is this just another one of those, ah, it was a good story. Made somebody popular on Twitter for about 10 seconds. Email me, rick at the ricksmithshow.com. I'm Rick Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. On this day in labor history, the year was 1875. That was the day the National Marine Engineers Association was founded at a meeting in Cleveland, Ohio. The association represented steamboat engineers, most from boats navigating the Great Lakes. Being a steamboat engineer was risky business. Boilers could explode, fires could start on board, vessels could sink. Crews often had little training. And engineers that complained about the unsafe conditions or got caught talking union could lose their place on a ship. One history of the Great Lakes described the role of the engineer writing, Down in the bowels of the vessel, he controls not only the propulsion, but the steering, lighting, pumping, anchoring, and ventilation of the modern marine structure. And on the great warship, he is even responsible the maneuvering of the heavy guns. In 1854, the engineers in Buffalo banded together in an association of their own. And in the next two decades, other cities followed. But the engineers knew that the only way to have real power to change their working conditions was to form a national organization. Ten delegates from Buffalo, Cleveland, Chicago, Detroit, and Baltimore attended the founding meeting. One of the union's early causes was to stop American shipping companies from hiring foreign engineers in international waters. In 1884, Congress passed a bill requiring officers on American ships to be U.S. citizens. The Union grew to more than 20,000 members by the end of World War I. But the Union fell on hard times during the Great Depression, losing more than 75% of its membership. In an effort to shore up U.S. shipping, Congress passed the Merchant Marine Act in 1936, calling for the construction of 500 new ships. Today, the Union is part of the AFL-CIO under the name Marine Engineers Beneficial Association. Welcome back to the Rick Smith Show. Now, here is Rick Smith. So this is one of the weirdest things I think I've heard in a while. And I guess it's not surprising. Uh, Eric and Laura Trump, evidently, according to reports, um, make their children say the Pledge of Allegiance every night before they go to bed. 
And look, I, I'm not I'm not opposed to people saying the Pledge of Allegiance. Had to say it when I was in school uh, every day. You know, we, we every day stood up and said the pledge. And you know, I went to a Catholic school. You know, we said a prayer. Uh, you know, nobody knows what the prayers were. It was it was just an act of, you know, just your your daily routine. Uh, it was the daily repetition. It was the daily indoctrination. And, and look, I'm not against the, the Pledge of Allegiance or the Star Spangled Banner or you know any of that stuff being played at sporting events. Participate if you want. Don't if you want. That's what's great about this country. But I find it interesting that the uh, the people who are most most ardent about it are the ones who don't really know what the country stands for or don't want it to stand for what it, it does, which is pursuit of your happiness. Life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. You have the right to do what you want to do, as long as it doesn't affect others. So if you don't want to say the Pledge of Allegiance, don't. But here's the thing. I want people in this country to be, to be able to, to say the pledge or, or you know, to, 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 to sing the, the national anthem or, or all of that. Because this is a great country, because we do great things, because we're good people, not because you have to, not because of social pressure, not because of school pressure, and certainly not because of a couple of dimwits uh, who've never really done an honest day's work in their life, forcing their kids to be indoctrinated to say the pledge. Don't get it. But you know what? It's also their right to have their kids say that. I don't think it's going to harm them. But it, it, it is telling to me. It, it does show a lot. And this is where I have to I, I have to step back for a minute and go, I listen to the right quite often. In fact, I spend more time consuming right-wing media than I do left. Because to be honest, there isn't a lot of left media in this country. Uh, the money's not there. The investment's not there. There's, there's virtually no left talk radio. Uh, there's some there's there are people who are trying, uh, but the money's not there, and everyone of everyone who's doing it will tell you there's no investment. Democrats have completely walked away from the idea of talk radio, of investing in infrastructure. And I say it's because you know, look, Republicans fall in line, Democrats fall in love. Uh, we Democrats spend all their money on candidates, uh, which is where you look at the the take that Joe Biden's getting. Wow. Uh, he is raising money like crazy. So when they say there's an enthusiasm gap, mm, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, there's there's some enthusiasm for Trump not to win. Uh, if, if you're not a Biden fan, ensuring that Trump doesn't get into office, that should motivate you. Uh, but they're raising tons of money. Uh, because I like to believe it's because of the policies that they've moved on. Good, smart policies going to rebuild this country, going to reshore manufacturing, going to give us an opportunity to compete into the future. That's great stuff. And I'm hoping people are excited to vote for that and more of it in the next term. But I look at what the right keeps talking about. It's our country, you know, and, and you know, crazy pack as we speak. They have a vision of what this country should be. And it's, it's not the freedom-loving country that they claim to, to want. It's a very authoritarian kind of country. It's a, you do what we tell you to do, you fall in line like we do, or we will punish you. And we're talking to you, New York. You'll starve if you don't listen to us. And, and that's their worldview. And for the rest of us, um, I think it's okay for you to have a crazy 
point of view. I think it's okay for you to think whatever you want to think. I'm all right with that. But the rest of us have to look at this and go, do we want these people running things? Do we want these people in charge of, of the school system, of our health care? Do we want these people who truly want to punish people that disagree with them? You know, as I said earlier, I saw this 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 story of, you know, does, does the media share your views? And I'm like, I don't want the media to share my views. I want the media to tell me the truth. I want the media to give me the facts. And you know what? I'll figure it out for myself. This idea of I only consume the media that that I agree with is insane. But it's where we are. It's what we've been trained to think like. This confirmation bias is real. And I run into them, I run into people all the time who that's where we are. So the question for you, homework for you. How do we change things? How do we how do we turn this around? I keep arguing that we need to talk to people that we disagree with. Even if we walk away, still disagree. Want to hear your thoughts, though? Email me, rick at the ricksmithshow.com. Questions, comments, something on your mind. That's the best way to hit me. Or social media, obviously. If you miss any portion of the program, the podcast is always available, ready for you to download and share with your friends. You can find that at the ricksmithshow.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you back here next time. You've been listening to The Rick Smith Show. Email Rick at rick at thericksmithshow.com. Until next time, this has been The Rick Smith Show, where working people come to talk. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.